Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me slash discord. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend Kyla Tsenas Kyla Tsenas I'm Kyla Tsenas and I have been training a global community of women since 2009 I've created a brand new podcast Sweat Daily to help you level up your life and reach your health and well-being goals from fitness tips to food that fuels you, meditation to motivation, we've got you covered. Sweat Daily, the happiest, healthiest, and most confident version of you awaits. Available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com The year is 1895. And we are opening at the Blackshade Residence for the Care and Recovery of Ladies Laboring Under Nervous Affection, which is a converted stately home on the Yorkshire Moors. It's a large stone building with a number of new additions, a number of new outbuildings, and we'll describe some of those in a moment. It is a fairly chilly autumn day as the sun comes up, and this residence is home to quite a large number of women, the best part of a hundred, 
who have been sent by their families to this place that's not quite an asylum. It sort of is, and the locals in the area would probably refer to it as an asylum. But the women who are sent to Blackshade, in general, are not mentally ill. Some certainly are. There may be people there with learning difficulties, there may be people there with brain injuries, but it's a lot more likely that some of the women there are there because they were just awkward or something went wrong with their relationship with their families. Maybe they had strong political opinions, maybe they had the wrong religious opinions, maybe... They were on the wrong side of an inheritance dispute. There are certainly a number of unwed mothers here. Generally, if you are considered to be awkward to your family's reputation and you are from money, you might end up somewhere like this. Like a lion in the dead, in the dead of deepest night, you sprawl out peacefully. Neath the glowing spheres of light Like a feathered, feathered swan On top of gliding glass You move with perfect ease Among bleeding grass Like a dog gone astray In the middle of the way You pretend to be a part Of the shuffle of the day Well, in the case of our three investigators That is exactly what's happened Let's introduce the characters at this stage and then we'll set the scene for where you all are. So, Kat, do you want to start us off? I am Moira Westfield and uh, quite frankly, I don't think I should be here. I was merely having a little bit of fun and my husband is just kind of a bit of a prude. And it's not my fault that I happened to quite like the valet and the maid. And it's not my fault that they both happened to be in the same room as me at the same time. And it's not my fault that they also had no clothes on. So really, I think that he should just maybe look at who he's employing because he handles all that. So it's his fault. Obviously. But yeah, so Moira is very much prim and proper. Tends to wear quite a lot of dark clothes, very into her poetry, and she's quite pale, dark hair, and she's just very much, yeah, doesn't think that she should really be here, but she's going to have fun while she's here anyway. Fantastic. Okay, Camille, why don't you introduce Mary? Yes, uh, tonight I will be playing Mary Jennings, who is 23, and uh, described in my notes as a keen, starry-eyed young suffragette. You see, I don't think I should be in Blackshade Manor either. Because really, if I want to quote Jane Eyre, which I will, <laughs> I am no bird and no net ensnares me. I'm a free human being with an independent will. And yet my father has locked me up in this manor just because I have my own thoughts and feelings as a human being. Who else wouldn't see red seeing a local politician talking about how women can't have the vote? It's not my port that I punched him. He should have said it. <laughs> Go, Mary. <laughs> At the very least, I can keep speaking the words of, of Bronte, of Wollstonecraft and of my heroines in this place and connect with other women and continue my work, even if I'm not allowed to go to the Sheffield chapter of the suffragettes any longer. <laughs> I will persevere. And uh, yeah, Mary, basically, uh, she's very keen all the time. Uh, she wears little round spectacles and has wavy long brown hair, muddy green eyes and freckles and a round face. So she's got quite a baby face, like me, so I can play that. <laughs> and she prefers to dress pretty plainly, despite having quite a rich background, being the daughter of a quite influential merchant and businessman. And she is massively into her literature and maybe is slightly harbouring a fantasy that she's like the reincarnation of Mary Wollstonecraft. I mean, same name. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be something. It's it's not just coincidence, right? So she got involved with the suffragettes, became radicalised, was like, hell yeah, <laughs> punched a local politician and yes. no one, people didn't like that very much. So uh, now she's here. But her older brother, James, thought it was a really cool thing she did. But her parents were like, no way. <laughs> you can't be doing this and influencing your younger sisters who were more marriageable. <laughs> Get out of here. So... And she's in black shade. And finally, Nick, tell us about Ruth. Ruth Bennett. She is a 24-year-old 
young woman. She has auburn hair that is cut strangely short for someone of her station. She's a bit quiet, and unlike the others who are here, Ruth believes that she does belong in this place. She's been told that by her family, by the leaders of her church. She comes from a very religious family, and she acknowledges that there is something that has always been just a little odd about her, a little wrong. And she hopes that time here will help with that, but she's been here long enough that she is losing that hope. She's fairly slender, she doesn't eat very much. She's average height. She has actually uh, a bit of heterochromia, so one eye is blue, the other is bluish green. Just another thing about her that is off-putting to many people. And just to cover my bases, she was born in America and her family relocated in her early teens when her father inherited their ancestral estate from his family. So if her accent's a bit off, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. We will open up first thing in the morning. So each of you has your own room, your own private room. The rooms are fairly basic. They're more than prison cells, but they're not exactly luxurious. And they're located in this new wing that has been built onto the manor house that forms the the core of Blackshade. It's a, a sort of horseshoe-shaped structure that has got rooms on either side of the corridor. The rooms are all centrally locked. You're all locked in overnight, and it's probably best not to dwell on what would happen if there were a fire. Oh, <laughs> okay. My books. <laughs> <laughs> the three of you are located in the same general area, and there's been a bit of disturbance overnight. You were woken up, perhaps, you're not quite sure what time, but you were woken up when it sounded like someone, one of the other women, was first of all taken from her room fairly late at night and then sent back to her room maybe a couple of hours later. And certainly at the latter time, when she was escorted back to her room, yeah, it sounds like there was a bit of a bit of rough stuff that went on there. Perhaps, you know, she she wasn't happy about being locked up again. There certainly seemed to be a bit of shouting. But that was several hours ago. You've managed to sleep since then. And now it is about seven AM and the nurse has come along and unlocked the central mechanism. There are a couple of porters who are going up and down the corridor, just checking that everyone is coming out of their rooms. And as you come out, you can see the porter has stopped by the room. It's next to Mary and it's opposite Ruth and Mara. And you know the girl who's in there. She's fairly new. She's only been at Blackshade for about a month. A very withdrawn teenage girl, maybe 16, 17 years old. She barely speaks, doesn't really make eye contact with anyone. A girl called Anna, Anna Hackwood. And as the porter is outside her room, he looks in curiously. He looks like he's about to say something. And then there is a blur of motion as Anna comes tearing out of her room with an animalistic snarl, launches herself at the porter and starts biting at his neck and tearing at the flesh. There is a spray of blood across the linoleum and the wall. The man is screaming. You can hear running footsteps from down the corridor as the other porters and the nurse are reacting. What do you do? I'd like to take my shoe off and throw it at her. (laughs) Holy shit! (laughs) Give me a throw roll, just to see whether you can do this well enough to distract her from tearing this man's throat out. It's so iconic that that's the first roll. (laughs) 
and very eloquently shouting, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I got 28, so I did not. (laughs) You could spend eight points of luck on it if, if you're so inclined. I think I will spend the eight points of luck, you know, (laughs) because I think that's probably a good idea. Bold. (laughs) Do some damage. (laughs) For a a thrown shoe, that's probably a D3. Does Moira have a damage bonus? Don't think I do. In which case, just roll a D3. Three. (laughs) I think that is going to be enough to distract her. You've thrown your shoe at her, and this wooden heel has clocked her just on the side of the head. She (laughs) looks up at you, and there is something very wrong with her eyes. There's a a kind of bluish colour to them that almost seems to be luminescent as she's staring at you. There is blood Mm. running down her chin, And she snarls at you. As she is deciding whether to finish off this porter or attack you instead, there is a flurry of motion as you've bought enough time that another couple of the porters have run through and they've grabbed her and are slamming her down on the ground. They've got truncheons and they bring them out and they're just smacking her around the face and head with these truncheons to subdue her. Well, fuck. (laughs) Okay. I think Mary has also come out of her room. And I think, like, given her enthusiasm to kind of chat and recruit anyone, basically, has been trying to kind of reach out to this Anna, the new resident, and her sort of neighbour by kind of giving her small kindnesses and chatting to her. And I think that if she heard her being kind of dragged back to the room in the night, she would have tried kind of, like, knocking on the wall a little bit after just to kind of because sometimes maybe they'd knock and someone would knock back so you kind of be like are you okay kind of thing not exactly mm-hmm. like morse code or anything i don't think she'd know anything like that but just a kind of a thing and i wonder first would she've had any response at all from anna if she'd kind of tried that in the night that night no Mm. She may have responded in the past she's not the most outgoing of people but Yeah, maybe you've managed to get through her defences a bit. But certainly last night, if you were trying to communicate with her, no, there was no response. Mm. So I think Mary was already quite on edge. And I think as soon as the rooms were open, she would have been out there and wanting to check on her friend. Well, she sees her as her friend because, (laughs) yeah, would have been kind of like, oh, Anna, Anna. Ben sees that and is like, Anna, Anna? (laughs) And it's like, what, what? what are you, what are you doing? What's going on? Ah! And I also imagine she's had like the spray of blood because she was right next to her when it happened. Just the spray of blood's gone like right up her like plain dress and up her face. So she's kind of like just sprayed in blood um, and very shocked, but is trying to kind of quite uselessly get through to her. Like, Anna, Anna, please, Anna, what have they done to you? Anna, Anna. And is um, trying to get her attention, but obviously it it doesn't seem to be doing anything. (laughs) It's it's difficult to get her attention now that the porters are beating the shit out of her. She's a bit distracted there. But the other person who's around, well, obviously there are a few of the other women who live here who are now milling around. Some have run away in panic. Some have gone back into their rooms. But there's also the matron, Nurse Hargast, who has come running down the corridor, seeing all this chaos, and has immediately elbowed her way through. She's a a large woman in her, guess, forties, who kneels down next to the man who's had his throat bitten and is desperately trying to staunch the bleeding and stop him from bleeding out. Oh yes, there's a bleeding man on the floor. (laughs) I completely forgot about him. (laughs) And a fairly large pool of spreading blood. Hmm. Yeah, I think when Moira sees the matron coming to try and help, she's probably going to get down on her knees and try and help like with pressure or something, bunches her dress and presses it. Mm. When like the commotion started, Ruth had been coming out of her room, and then once the violence began, she froze and kind of pressed up against the wall and just been like muttering prayers under her breath. And especially when 
the blood appears, and especially <laughs> if she clocks the eyes on Anna, the praying just kind of gets more intense as the moments are passing by and doesn't subside even when the matron shows up because clearly the devil is at work. Mm. <laughs> I think Mary at this point is trying to stop the porters from trying to hit her in the face. Like she's responded to that at the very least and is like, stop that, stop it. <gasps> she's not in her right mind and is trying to like probably quite ineffectively pull one of them away a bit just to not like be beating the shit out of her at least. <laughs> You both are helping. Ruth's just sitting there being furniture, basically. <laughs> well, that puts Ruth in the position, perhaps, to notice something. So can I have a spot-hidden role for Ruth as she's not actively involved in the chaos and violence? Haha, <laughs> of course you can. And let me see. I will spend a bit of luck to make that a regular success. I rolled 46 over 35. In which case, you can see through the open doorway of Anna's room that, yeah, her room does seem to be something of a mess. There is ripped up bedding, ripped up mattress even, spread all over the place. It looks like there are scratch marks on the walls, bloody scratch marks. Something bad has happened here overnight. Does it look like the scratch marks and the tearing are things that could have been done by human hands? Maybe. And as you had that thought, you perhaps look down and having just passed your spot hidden, I won't ask you to make another one. You can see as Anna is weakly trying to push these porters away, you can see that her fingernails are broken and the tips of her fingers are bloody. Gah. I think while everyone is distracted, Ruth might start to try to, s not sneak in, but she'll just kind of sidle over to Anna's door and maybe try to get a better look into the full room, see if there's anything else strange. Her curiosity got the better of her. What could have happened? What could have happened to this poor girl? While you're doing that, Mary was trying to perhaps dissuade the porters from hammering Anna too much. How are you doing that? Are you physically trying to stop them? Are you shouting at them? What approach are you taking? I'm going to be using uh, words, words over actions for once, given that <laughs> Mary is so punchy. But I think she's also very keen to get her point across of, you know, she's, she's not in her right mind. Please, please. I, I know she's hurt someone, but please, you're really hurting her. Just hold her down. Don't stop. And it's just trying to kind of get them to to back down a bit because obviously the response is very extreme. Hmm. I mean, obviously, to an extreme situation, but still. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right and all that. <laughs> then give me a persuade role. That's what I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more persuasive than I am punchy, actually. Maybe I should have put more into Brawl, given my background, but, you know, I'm not saying she's good at it. <laughs> And I got an 80. Sod's <laughs> ah. law. I know. You could always push the role if you wanted to find some way of being more persuasive. Oh, do I? I think, seeing that Ruth was kind of praying fervently by the wall, she kind of does kind of slightly take it in before, while she's on her way to kind of like try to persuade these guards. She says... Look, clearly she's been she's been taken over by some kind of evil spirit. She can't she can't help it. She's she's been taken over by the devil. It's not her. She she needs spiritual aid, not this violence. You're just making it worse. And she's getting much more animated and maybe trying to like push her, but still trying to use her words. If that's strong enough for a push, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think if you fail. That's probably going to get you sedated because it sounds like you might be having an episode. I'm just very passionate about things. <laughs> okay, let's give it a go, though. I do have a 60, so I'm hopeful, but uh, also we, we love the drama. <laughs> 31! <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> Certainly, you managed to distract the porters enough that... They realise they have subdued her at this stage. You can see that 
Anna has pretty much stopped fighting back. They've clocked her a, a few good blows across the head and face with their truncheons, and there are some fairly nasty cuts there. She's bleeding, but more importantly, she's not fighting back at this stage. And yeah, you reckon you maybe you've just saved her life, depending on how bad the wounds she's taken already are. I'm always looking out for my fellow woman. <laughs> I think things have calmed down enough that you can see just exactly what's happened here with, I mean, not just Anna having been beaten like this, but you can see bits of, of skin and flesh in between her teeth. You can see as Nurse Hargast is trying to staunch the blood, you can see between her fingers just how bad the wound to this porter's neck is. I do want sand rolls at this stage as well. Yes, I think that's a good idea. That's legit. Fair enough. I got undercut. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Ruth failed. You did just kind of see the devil. It's true. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And this room too. And I feel like she's probably, once things have calmed down a little bit, she's probably trying to get Moira and Mary's attention. Look at this. Come look at this. First of all, you're going to lose three points of San. As far as an involuntary action goes, you go to try to attract their attention, but I think at that point the full horror of what you've seen just hits you, and your legs go out from under you, and the next thing you know you're, you're sitting there on the floor. You realise that the ground is wet and a bit sticky where you're sitting and look down and you realise that you are sitting in a pool of blood, which doesn't really help. And I think that immediately she goes from, from her butt to her knees and kind of begins the praying again, this time <laughs> focused more on protection for herself, I think. Like, Lord, please protect me, please protect me. Yeah. What happens next is a, a couple more nurses come along and they start trying to herd the women who are still there, try to get some of them out of their rooms and round to the the main building where they are supposed to be serving breakfast around now, though this may have put a bit of a crimp in the plans. But they're certainly trying to get everyone out of the way while they drag Anna off and they treat the uh, the porter the porter now that again the chaos is has calmed down a bit yeah you'd know this man his his name is thomas i mean you know all the staff here and thomas is one of the nicer porters here he obviously the porters occasionally have to do unpleasant things like subdue unruly patients but on the whole, he seems to be generally quite a, a gentle, kind man. And looking at him now, again, you know, like, like Anna, you're not really sure whether or not he's going to survive. So I have my hands, I'm helping to staunch the bleeding. Do I mm. notice anything more about the wound or about him in particular now that I'm kind of up close to him with the nurse? Not really, it looks very much like his throat has been bitten open. Nice. But that ties in with what you, you saw Anna do. Apart from that, no. What I would say, though, is if you want to give me a first aid roll, you can see how much help you're being. Oh, no. <laughs> My first aid is surprisingly good. I've got 50. Oh, there you go. So let's have a look. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 76. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't fumble. You haven't made things worse. <laughs> but you just haven't helped. I would like to not spend luck. I don't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, the matron just gives you... Uh, well, it looks like she's going to be cross with you, first of all. Then she sees that you are genuinely trying to help. She looks at you with a, a look of strained patience, maybe, <laughs> and says, uh, uh, thank you, Moira, that will be enough. I'm just going to lift myself off and then stand there with one shoe off <laughs> and both of my hands covered in blood and just kind of look 
at Mary and Ruth as if to say, I just, what, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the matron looks at the three of you and says, why don't you three get yourselves cleaned up, change into something that's uh, a bit cleaner, she says, looking particularly at all the blood that's soaked into Ruth's dress, and come and join everyone for breakfast as soon as you can. And then she turns and starts talking to the other nurses and the porters who have gathered there, and they start moving Anna and Thomas away from here. Moira's going to walk over to, to Ruth and kind of crouch down, take her shoulders in her hands and kind of gently raise her up and sort of say, I think we both need a shower. A shower? Do we have showers? No. You have water bowls, wash bowls in your rooms. I think we both need a wash, dear. Let's not sit in the blood, I think. When you make contact with her, there's a bit of a start, um, but then her hands kind of go over your hands. And then I think Ruth just kind of silently points into the room do I see anything different from what Ruth's seen? Now that you're in a position to perhaps go into the room a bit more, because everyone is distracted with trying to get the injured away, you could perhaps step into Anna's room. And basically all her personal effects are destroyed here. The jug and bowl that you use for washing are smashed. The... The chamber pot is smashed. The bedding, like I said, is torn up. And the bed itself has been pulled away from the wall. And there are scratch marks everywhere. It does just look like there's been animalistic violence in this room. I think Mary is also going to kind of come round and is also first looking at Ruth and, and saying, yes, that, look, we're, we're all... We're all a bit bloody. Let's um, let's 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 clean up and uh, oh, and she's sort of looking around Anna's room. It's like God, I I knocked on her wall at, at, at night. Sometimes she she'd knock back. You know, she was she was so quiet, and I just wanted to make sure she was okay. And I I never heard any of this. It's so destructive. And this might sound completely ridiculous, but have you heard of vampires, darling? Darling, 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 <laughs> you've been reading far too many of those books of yours. This is, um, how do we put it? Well, she might have just eaten something a bit off. Oh, uh, when have you torn open someone's throat and your eyes flash blue when you've eaten something off? There's something deeply wrong. Well, you know what? Ever so often, once a month, I have this feeling that I just want to punch somebody. Maybe she just took it to the next level. Look, I've read about vampires. There was this, there was this poem by Byron. And, and what did he say about <laughs> vampires? Um, it said, But first on earth as vampire sent, thy corpse shall from its tomb be rent. Then ghostly haunt thy native place and suck the blood of all thy race. There from thy daughter, sister, wife, at midnight drain the stream of life. Yet loathe the banquet which perforce must feed thy living, livid corpse. <laughs> That's what she was doing. She was sucking the blood out of him. She was killing him. And I've barely seen her eat these last few days. Something was deeply wrong. Was she drinking his blood or was she, was she biting him? It looked more like biting. Moira, I think I agree with Mary. This is... This is something more than just our courses, her courses. <laughs> but, Mary, I think that demonic possession is much more likely than vampires. Right, you make a good point. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, both of you. Vampires, demonic possession, you are aware that we're living in a time of, well, not nonsense, quite frankly, <laughs> and that is entirely nonsense. Ruth is a little cowed, but also a little offended. <laughs> All right. Well, until we find a better explanation for this, we need to be on our best guard for any vampirism or, or demonic possession or, or anything, because that was utterly strange. Oh, yes, yes. Let's just sharpen our crosses, why don't we? They wouldn't let me. <laughs> oh, Mary. <laughs> Mary, that is blasphemous. You mustn't. 
Well, let's not just stand here debating this. We're covered in blood, for God's sake. I'm sticky and I want to get clean. Yes, you're, you're right. I will say that as Ruth passed her spot hidden roll earlier, again, I won't ask for another roll now that you're in the room. In amongst all this chaos, you do catch just a glimpse of something in amongst all the torn-up bedding. There's something you can see on the ground that just glints a bit. It looks like maybe a bit of jewellery. Uh, just a moment. Uh, she'll go over and pick it up or uncover it a bit more. You pull it out and it's a bit of wire, of, of copper wire, or maybe brass, that is curved around into... Maybe that's what made you think of jewellery, is curved round into a, an odd kind of shape. But nothing recognisable? Like, it's a, a shape, but not something that immediately I have an association for? No. What is it, Ruth? Oh, I thought it was jewellery, but it looks like a bit of wire. I'm assuming that this is not thick enough to be plausibly like a bed spring or something else that kind of could have come from somewhere in this room, from the tearing no, no, it's it's the wrong material for a bedspring. It's not quite thick enough for the bedsprings. How big is it, exactly? It's about the size of the palm of your hand. She'll hold it out to Moira and Mary. Look, it's some sort of symbol. Perhaps Anna had taken up some arts and crafts in her free time. But where could she have gotten this? Hmm. I think Mary's looking around the room to see if there's any other spooky symbols or any other kind of strange clues or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Come now, come now. We can't fixate on pieces of rubbish that you find off of the floor. <laughs> Let's just please get clean, darlings. I'm. It's filthy in here and frankly quite unnerving. Yes, yes, you had mentioned the stickiness. Yes, not in the good way. What? <laughs> just baffled <laughs> <laughs> nothing dear uh, carry on let's go if either Moya or Mary reaches for this piece of copper then she'll give it to them but otherwise she'll pocket it sure then you're getting yourselves cleaned up and going to breakfast are you yes and also rescue my shoe uh, I would like that back oh yes <laughs> <laughs> you can rescue your shoe yes you'll be able to clean the blood off it nicely that was very well struck, Moira. Oh, thank you. Croquet. <laughs> ah, yes, of course. <laughs> Just thinking about, like, how is it croquet? What now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Ruth finds Moira very confusing. <laughs> I just, I said it, and you know, and you're like, hang on a second, you don't throw anything in croquet. <laughs> Maybe the way you play croquet. I'm going to stay with the confidence there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I find that I often throw the hammer at my husband. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> Barry is going to say, so there is some use for croquet over reading books. <laughs> Naturally, darling. You just need to weaponize it. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge. We should be weaponizing knowledge. Yes, and you were able, with your words and your knowledge, you were able to um, prevent them from further beating poor Anna. That was very well done as well. Thank you, and I I appreciated your prayers and, and your tenacity of observation Ooh, the prayers thing that oh she's smiling now she's very <laughs> proud yes 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 uh god guides my every action yes just as mary guides mine mary wollstonecraft <laughs> <laughs> a flash of just like absolute adoration at the mention of mary and then oh oh that mary yes 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 all right <laughs> <laughs> darlings no more flirting we're covered in blood come on now what? <laughs> Just and then off. <laughs> <laughs> I think Moira's just going to go get clean. <laughs> She's done. So, yes, you get yourselves cleaned up and, and head off to breakfast. So you're all in the bottom end of this horseshoe shape that I mentioned. It's, it's not a smooth U. It's basically straight lines, but it's a U shape with right angles. So you're heading up this corridor, one of the arms of the U, up towards the main building in Blackshade. And there's been a bit of construction work that's been going on here. 
You've seen more of it in the main building, but it now seems to be coming down into the residents' rooms. And certainly some of the women have been moved out of the rooms in this part and have been given other accommodation for the moment. And you know that what they've been doing here is installing electric lighting. This is something brand new. Your rooms, for the time being, still have gas lighting, but there is electricity now in the main building, and there is now electricity in some some of the residents' rooms, and soon the rest of you will have it. You know, I'm a terribly light sleeper. I can't wait for these electric lights to be installed so I can just read any time of night and not have to think about my lamp. <laughs> yes, it will be nice not to have to deal with the gas lighting anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just sorry. I'm so slow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is funny, but I don't quite know why. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can stomach food after all that, quite frankly. Well, I think, if anything, we need a hearty breakfast after what we've just witnessed and, and to, to put us in good health for... For if anything, any other queer things happen. Wink, wink. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I suppose you'll be wanting to load yourself up on garlic, will you, Mary? Well, I hope there's garlic in these eggs. And she starts kind of eating with gusto, even though she does also feel a little bit queasy. <laughs> so pretty much all the residents are now gathered around in the main dining room. And yeah, you come and join them and, and have your breakfast. The mood is definitely a bit subdued. Obviously, word has been getting around and you can hear gossip going on about what happened with Anna and with Thomas and people are <laughs> jumping to all sorts of wrong conclusions. Someone's talking about her having a knife and someone is talking about a bigger revenge killing and yeah, it's all sorts of stories going around. Is there anybody in particular who looks perhaps like they might know a bit more or perhaps isn't involved in the gossip or sort of looks a little bit kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, sus. <laughs> but also piggybacking off that, are there any groups of staff members that seem to also be discussing it who might have more details either on what happened or what is happening to Anna now? Yeah, out of the residents... No, there's not anyone who's too suspicious. I, almost everyone is gossiping about the only person who isn't is there's an older woman who but most of you have met at some stage. She's a genuine eccentric called Evelyn Nash, who's sitting pretty much on her own table. People don't tend to have conversations with her because she's given to talking about things that no one really understands. You get the impression that she was perhaps, in her previous life, quite a learned woman, but it's difficult to tell how much of what comes out of her mouth is simply too complicated for people to understand and how much is just mad. Hmm. But yeah, she, she's about the only person who's not engaged in the gossip. You can see that... There are a few of the nurses clustered over in one corner having a quiet conversation. There are also a couple of the porters who are out in the garden who seem to be having a fairly intense conversation there. Hmm. I think I'm going to mix my eggs for a little bit and then I'm going to put my fork down and I'm going to go... Oh, for goodness sake, I just can't seem to get this off my mind. You would think that somebody attacking somebody wouldn't be such an issue, but for some reason, I just can't stop thinking about it. So I'm going to get up and I think I'm going to kind of almost tap the table to try, kind of looking like I'm trying to decide what I want to do. And then I'm going to kind of waltz over towards the garden, pretend I'm getting some fresh air and just try and eavesdrop on the porters. Oh, yeah. Ruth is attracted to the confidence of Moira and she and she isn't eating anything anyway and so I think that she'll follow you. Mary is just eating with gusto and she is also <laughs> kind of listening into some of the conversations and trying to figure out who some of the, the gossip ringleaders are or 
any group that's garnering any particular attention or kind of uh, speaking quite voraciously about it, she's keeping an eye out. Basically everyone, apart from Evelyn, seems to be gossiping at the moment because... Honestly, there isn't that much that happens here. This is the most exciting thing that's happened for a while. So, of course, everyone's talking about it. Mm. Is there anyone who tends to be a bit of like a social ringleader or someone who's quite influential or just anyone who's kind of... Who are the popular girls? No, I was just going to say something bullshitty, so... Yes. What cliques are there? (laughs) Where are the mean girls sitting? I wish to speak to them. Who's wearing pink? (laughs) I imagine the main instigators and ringleaders when it comes to stuff like that are you three. (laughs) I mean, we are very fetch. (laughs) Stop trying to make fetch happen. (laughs) It's like, Mary, stop trying to make Wollstonecraft happen. (laughs) It's never going to happen. (sighs) Okay, well, I guess, yeah, maybe she'll just, after she's kind of like, just rammed some eggs into her mouth um, despite (laughs) not feeling so great because it's all part of her plan to be hearty, strong and hale to fight the good fight, obviously. Mm. She kind of goes up to a few of the fellow women who are gossiping and is kind of saying, well, I see this as she was afflicted by something terrible because of the the conditions in which we are kept here, caged, and and that we need to see this as an, an opportunity to rally together and to to support each other as as fellow women and, and comrades to to you know rise up against the the oppression of the patriarchy against us. Surely you agree. They all look at you, and then they go back to their eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I felt my childhood come back to me in a flash. <laughs> I'm so triggered right now. <laughs> uh, In that case, um, she's Mary's going to sigh to herself, and as she often finds herself doing, because no one else wants to talk to her, she actually goes over to Evelyn Nash, who's the only person who isn't gossiping. I was about to say, we'll come back to you in a moment. So Moira and Ruth were heading over to... There are some French windows that go out into the garden. It's not the best day for going out into the garden. It's drizzling a bit outside. The sky is grey. But there are, like I say, a couple of the porters who are standing out there. If you wanted to eavesdrop on them before getting close to them, you could try making listen rolls. Ooh, okay. I only have 30. Right. Oh, no. Okay. I can hear nothing. (laughs) Ruth did get a regular success. So the two men out there are talking fairly furtively, but you can catch snatches of conversation. At least Ruth can. Well, mainly they're talking about Thomas saying, oh, you, you see me. His throat, I don't think he's going to make it. He's, oh, it's rough like that. You wouldn't think a, a young strip of a lass could, could do something like that to a man of Thomas's size. And the other one just shakes his head and says, I can't trust any of them round here, can you? And if Thomas dies, well, oh, you think Dr. Cave would let us... Meet out some justice. Question one. Is Dr. Cave someone we know, I'm assuming? Yeah, Dr. Cave. He is the owner of Blackshade. This is his family residence, and he is... Well, he is the chief physician. He's got a very lively interest in... The well-being of the residents here, he he takes a very active interest in both your physical and your mental health. You have regular checkups with him and sometimes private. I guess they'd sort of be therapy sessions. I mean, obviously, psychoanalysis as we know it doesn't exist yet, but he would be considered maybe an alienist. Okay. I think that as Ruth is hearing all of this, she's feeding the information to Moira as well, just kind of like letting her know about this. Yeah, I think we've we've got our heads kind of bent low together. So it looks like we're having like a chat rather than kind of like just going. (laughs) (laughs) Could you speak a little louder? (laughs) (laughs) 
So I'll kind of be nodding. And then when you, Ruth kind of says about the meeting out justice, Moira is going to just kind of look really concerned about that and kind of go, what? Quietly. What do you think that means? As the two of you are mulling that over, another one of the porters comes out looking fairly animated and joins the other two. And you can see that the conversation has become a bit livelier between them. The new guy says, oh, it's all right. She's dead. <gasps> Gasp. Did she... Do you think they killed her? She looked... Not all right, but, I mean... How could she have died? Well, I mean, they did beat her pretty badly. And Scott, did it look like that beating could have been a fatal one? From what you saw, she took a hell of a beating from truncheons. So she was beaten around... The head and body, it's entirely possible that maybe that did kill her. It just doesn't seem right. Good Lord. I mean, she bit a man's throat out. Let's be honest, that was quite shocking, but that doesn't mean that she deserved to be beaten to death. I agree. We don't even know why she did it, what happened to her. We should tell Mary. We should absolutely tell Mary. However, she says vampire one more time. (laughs) Let's deliver the news gently. She's a little bit highly strung. Yes, and also, Moira, we should remember our own Grace and extend that to her. Right, Grace. Yes. Got it. Yes. Extension of Grace. Yes. Wonderful. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Let's get out of here before they notice that we're eavesdropping. Right. Let's cut back to Mary, who had just gone to sit at Evelyn Nash's table. So Evelyn Nash is a woman who's probably in her 50s. It's difficult to tell. She's got fairly wild, greyish, curly hair, both in terms of dress and manner. You'd probably think of her as being quite tweedy. She's sitting there just picking at her eggs. And she looks at you almost in alarm as you sit down at the table. Yes, uh, are you at the right table? Uh, You normally sit there. Hello, Evelyn. I've spoken to you before, have I not? Yes, but not at breakfast. (laughs) Well, this is true, but uh, we're living in extraordinary times, I'm I'm sure you've heard. Hmm. I was wondering, seeming as you've... You know, you've you've experienced the 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 grandeur of of life for for longer than I have in this world. I, I was wondering if you've have you ever come across vampires or anything like that? Because I'm very convinced that something very strange happened to Anna, and perhaps she's she's been influenced by some kind of evil entity. So I was just I was wondering what as a as a as a learned woman, what your what your thoughts would be on on vampires and the otherwise paranormal. She looks thoughtful for a moment and says, Yes, uh, I would consider that to be idiocy of the highest order. (laughs) You would? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, why would you say that? Vampires? I'm sorry, do do you think we're living in a gothic novel? (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's what concerns me the most. You should have seen her eyes. There was this... This otherworldly glint in her eyes and the way she just she just ripped that man's throat clean out. I've I've never seen anything like it. I, her, her room her room was was torn apart. I, I just what what other explanation would you have? You was as, as a learned woman, a, a woman of the scientific method. This is why I'm asking. I want to engage in in the in the Socratic method. <laughs> she just blinks at you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you about to try telling me that Socrates was a vampire? No. I I almost wish for you to prove me wrong. Calling me an idiot is not helpful. All right. Yes, yes, you're you're quite right. You're quite right. I I, I Thank you, Evelyn. I shouldn't be rude, even if you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the sass on this bitch. <laughs> Mary does not care, by the way. She's very unfazed. <laughs> I think she's quite used to Evelyn's abruptness yeah. and just doesn't really, I don't know, she's more interested in having the conversation than her own standing or anything. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder, 
Are you aware that uh, that Doctor Cave has has taken a a special interest in in our uh, in our Miss Hackwood recently? Well, I, I tried to talk to Anna, but she she's always been such a quiet person. But I, I did notice, and well, I, I did notice how she was taken from her room in in the night before before all this happened. In the night, oh. Yes, they took her in the night, and then when they brought her back to her room, there was some some shouting and some some sort of knocking about. It it all sounded very strange. And when I when I knocked on her wall after, I would sometimes to make sure that she was okay in the night because because I know that in my first month here, I, I was so so lonely. Um, and she she didn't knock back. And then the next thing I saw was that. I wonder. I wonder. Have you seen anything, Evelyn? It becomes apparent as you're halfway through that heartfelt sharing that Evelyn has tuned out completely. She's just looking out the window <laughs> deep in thought and then looks back at you and says, uh, if you or, or any, of the, uh, any of the women that you are friendly with here have appointments scheduled with, uh, with, with Dr. Cave, uh, can you do me a favour, please? Yes, Evelyn, what is it? If you get the opportunity, could you see whether he has any um, unusual paperwork or, or or any strange devices or anything in in his consulting rooms? I, I, it's been a while since I've been there, and he, he's quite a private man. But if if you have the opportunity to. I don't know, steal some of his uh, his paperwork and and perhaps share it with me. I uh, I would take it as a personal favour. Evan, do you think that that Doctor Cave is the the cause of the cause of Anna's turn? What do you think? I, is it more likely that or that she's a vampire? <laughs> well, maybe Doctor Cave is a vampire. <laughs> So, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just, it, it was so shocking, I don't even know what to think. <sighs> okay, look, I, well, if we do, and now I dread that we do, I will keep an eye out. I, I can't promise anything, Evelyn, um, but I, I will try. And if you hear of anything, let's keep in touch. Uh, no, she says. <laughs> uh, you come and tell me if you hear anything, but I, I have work to be getting on with, so uh, I, I'm afraid I, I shan't be able to assist you. Okay, I think Mary kind of frowns. Is like, uh, yes, your your work. Yes, okay. Um, thank, thank you, Evelyn. Thinking, I don't think I've ever seen Evelyn do any work. <laughs> she does spend quite a lot of time in the library reading through various texts there, and she spends a lot of time in her room reading as well. I think sometimes Mary hangs out with her in the library and is like, another reader, a reader of books, <laughs> and is always trying to recommend things to her, which maybe isn't isn't really uh, picked <laughs> up on. <laughs> no, she doesn't seem to be one for fiction. <laughs> but it tells truths of the heart. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think Mary, with that, is going to back away from Evelyn because she's she understands that Evelyn's got a pretty short uh, attention span slash patience with conversation. So she kind of goes back to where she was. Yeah. I guess we reconvene at our table. We're sure. As they're approaching Mary, Ruth gets ahead of Moira a little bit and just like leans into Mary and very quietly says, don't say vampire. <laughs> well. Why wouldn't I say, but, oh, uh, <laughs> hello, Moira. Oh, darling, hello, darling. Did you, I saw that you wandered off. Did you speak to, um, she who knows all? <laughs> yes, I, I did speak to, to Evelyn. Well, she called me an idiot a few times, but, you know. Um, oh, darling. And, um, I, I just think I'm rather spirited and I have a lot to learn, but, you know. Um, she did mention that, that Anna had been seeing Dr. Cave more frequently before her her funny turn this morning so i i wonder perhaps we could we could ask her when she's feeling better about what what happened or or anything perhaps oh, no. um no I, mary anna is dead we overheard them speaking in the garden anna's she's she's dead ah i'm gonna take mary's hands like i might be a stiff 
upper lip bitch, but I'm just going to take her hands and <laughs> give them a good squeeze. Unfortunately, yes, dear. Um, sh- I mean, after a beating like that. Yes, I... Perhaps I was optimistic to think that she she would pull through, but I thought that I... Well, I thought I stopped them. I... You did everything you could. You did. You shouldn't blame yourself. You mustn't. No, I... I just wish that... Well, I, I, I tried to reach out to her. I tried to... To be a friend, and... But she didn't have anyone, really, did she? <sighs> Poor Anna. Well, we've got to get to the bottom of this. I mean, it is the least we could do for her... Spirit? Ghost? Soul? Thing? <laughs> Whatever it is that you like to believe in, Ruth. Uh, the, the, the truth of our immortal souls is what I believe in, but also... It does seem, if this happened to one girl here, especially if Dr. Cave is involved, that potentially we're all at risk. Do we have any appointments with Dr. Cave ourselves? Do we spend any time with him? You do occasionally, maybe once a month, have appointments with him, but none of you have one scheduled in the near future. How might one get an appointment with Dr. Cave? (laughs) A psychotic break, perhaps? <laughs> would that would that trigger an appointment? Hmm. <laughs> he is the only physician on staff here, effectively, as well as being an alienist. So he tends to well, everyone's medical needs. Perhaps a, a physical injury or a, a bout of hysteria brought on by the recent events would be enough? I think, if anything, it would be... It would be completely understandable. Did Evelyn say anything? Did she know anything? Well, I couldn't really get much out of her, really. She she more wanted, well, wanted us to give her information. But she did definitely mention that Ada had been seeing, had been seeing Dr. Cave more frequently, which is odd. I mean, that's beyond the monthly appointment. And she'd only been here for a month. I mean, they barely knew her. It's very strange indeed, and that, well, if we are able to get an an appointment with him to to see if we can steal any papers or odd instrumentation to to take to her. Oh. And, well, I asked her for information and she said no, (laughs) which I'm not completely surprised by, but perhaps we can give her something and she could work with us, at the very least. Ruth has been nodding along excitedly. Um... Perhaps we can give her give her this. Um, and she pulls the little wire out. Maybe she would know something about this. Maybe the the wire, perhaps. Ruth grabs Mary by like the wrist and starts dragging her towards Evelyn again. I don't I don't know how to talk to her, but you do. <laughs> Ruth, Ruth, no, you can't go showing Evelyn a piece of copper wire and assume that she's not just going to call you an idiot as well. <laughs> well, she already thinks I'm an idiot, so I may as well try. And in service of finding out what happened to Anna, I'm willing to risk being called names. Oh, you're both so unsacrinely sweet little... Fine. <laughs> I'm coming with you, but merely so I can tell her to piss off as she's rude. Right. <laughs> so as Evelyn is there just finishing the last of her breakfast, she looks up and sees this deputation of what the three of you looming over her table... I feel like I might be a foot taller than the other two and I'm standing behind with folded arms, like, just (laughs) try it. (laughs) She looks up at you almost in alarm and says, I I don't think I've ever been this popular at breakfast time before. What's happening? Evelyn, I've spoken to my esteemed colleagues and we've decided that we will help you with, with what you seek. Good. On one condition, what do you think this is? <laughs> she holds up the copper wire. Have you seen anything like this before? We, we found it in Anna's room. She snatches it out of your hand and looks at it, and then looks at the three of you wide-eyed, looks at this. Where did you find this? It, it was in her room. In Anna's room? Yes. It's just a piece of rubbish. I knew it. I knew it. What is it? You knew what? She throws it down on the table and says, 
he, he won't, he won't beat me to it. He won't beat me to it. And she just gets up and storms out of the room. She's always been an eccentric and passionate woman, but you've never really seen her angry like this before. Her face is flushed red, her eyes are wide, and she is just pushing people out of the way and storming out of the dining room. Ruth says, we should follow her, and grabs the wire off the table, puts it back in her pocket, and starts, like, going after Evelyn. Beat her to what? Mary's on it as well. She's she's following this story to the end. She's turning every page. Moira's going to put her head in her hand, rub the, like, bridge of her nose, and just sigh and follow along behind them both. <laughs> it's like you've got us as two little dogs on leads, and we're just like, Whoa! It's a good oh, thing that bro. they're cute. <laughs> <laughs> just so enthusiastic Moira, Moira, come on let's go, come on <laughs> you're going to be the death of me <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our Wolf Pack at patreon.com slash ain't slayed. Or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and good luck out there.